kind of just strengthening that, that those comments that I I'd made many months ago, but um, it's a Gluxeam designed uh, condo, affordable housing under this. They're getting a 50 year amortization. Uh, I believe it's zero or 1% interest rates on that construction money of 90 million. And they are having to use 30% of the median family income in the surrounding area. Now what that includes in this instance along Preston is the Civic Hospital area and the Little Italy area, um, West Centertown. It's one of the highest average household incomes in Ottawa. Um, and, uh, and so the average unit, you know, regardless of size, I believe it's 28 or 2900 uh, that the deems it as affordable housing um, in this case. Now, you're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Good morning. Good, good afternoon. Day. Good evening. Good day. Hello. Uh, we are back, most of us. It is the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson, and uh, I am bleeding. Um, <laughs> tried, to rush, tried to rush getting on air and uh, cut myself shaving for the first time in probably 20 years. Uh, right on my lip. So perfect. So if you see me dabbing my face throughout the episode, uh, that is why. Uh, <laughs> should be fun. Uh, Greg isn't with us today. I think Greg is uh, recovering from a small illness, I believe. Uh, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but he said he wasn't going to make it. He's uh, not feeling well. So we'll take that however we want. Uh, David, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. No uh, no complaints. Took it easy. Uh, yeah, took it easy. Saturday did a little restaurant hop, which was which was fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, other than that, nothing, uh, nothing crazy. I guess we should introduce ourselves. Uh, yeah, I since, guess so. You know, I guess that uh, might help. Yeah, so my name is Paul Stevenson. I'm a, a mortgage agent, and uh, you can check out. I'm gonna. I think I might write another article today, another blog. Uh, if you go to paulstevenson.ca, you can check out all my all my blogs, my thoughts. Um, you know, pre-approvals, that sort of thing. Uh, Greg is a real estate agent and uh, managing director at the agency Ottawa. Uh, the agency. Uh, he is not with us today. The and, uh, Dave Warren is a mortgage agent and uh, owner at Referral Mortgages. And uh, that's who we are. That's the Auto Real Estate Podcast. That's us. Um, so Greg sent us a few stats. We'll touch on those. We had a really fun episode last week. We did our uh, our live show, which is always well received by by listeners. And I think it pulls in some new listeners as well because they feel like maybe um, I don't know, maybe more reachable, more uh, you know, they can have their questions answered in real time. So. That was a lot of fun, and it went well over, probably about double the length that our normal episodes go. So, um, but really fun. It was good, interactive. Uh, lots of really good questions, and uh, thank you for everyone who tuned in. And if you haven't seen it, you can always go back. Obviously, on the YouTube channel, we do we did repost the live show afterwards, uh, so you can go in there, and we basically just answered everyone's questions for an hour. So it was quite uh, quite entertaining. I'm going to try to do that once a month now, right? Once a month, once every six weeks. Let's not commit ourselves to, to anything here. We're, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do a live show uh, again at some point. <laughs> yeah. If I don't bleed out before the end of the show, we'll, we'll keep going. With these. Um, so a couple of questions that came on the show after, after the show is aired. So not live, but uh, we can touch on those just so that uh, everyone feels like, uh, you know, they're getting their, uh, they're being heard. So um, 
I just lost it there. So Sasha says, uh, any thoughts on the Bank of Canada lagging behind the Fed for the latest round of increases? This could potentially lead to a lower loony and further fuel inflation. What do you think about that, David? Uh, I mean, kind of even before the, the October announcement, um, I'd mentioned that, the, uh, that it was expected that over, by the end of Christmas or by Christmas, rather over the October and December increase that they, the, the aim was for 1%. Um, you know, the dates at which they announced their any uh, overnight rate uh, change is preset for both the Bank of Canada and the Feds. I think what you're referring to, Sasha, is just the Bank of Canada deciding to raise half a percent, whereas the Fed raised three quarters. Um, I think most and the market included was was expecting a three quarter percent from mm. the Bank of Canada. However, I think with the uh, inflation numbers coming out slightly lower than expected, uh, that's why they decided the half percent. But I, I believe it is kind of setting things up for another half percent uh, increase in December. I'd be surprised if if that wasn't the case. Um, again, it is a, uh, you know, our, our inflation numbers are trailing. Uh, so it usually doesn't, it usually takes three to four months for, um, inflation, you know, any bank of Canada increase or, or fed increase, uh, to change the market is usually a few months. So it takes a little bit. So it's, you know, it's not even anything that October's announcement we're going to even see, uh, or that's going to play into the uh, inflationary numbers right before the December announcement. So um, I think the market was surprised at that, but I think it's setting it up for, again, another half percent in, in December, but we'll see. Um, certainly the loony has been getting absolutely slaughtered uh, you know, against the U.S. dollar, but, uh, but so have most other markets. Um, it's been pretty tumultuous in the, in the currency realm, but uh, the fuel inflation. Yeah, I would say. I, I don't know, and I can't touch on that. I, I'd be, I'd be speaking from a uh, a position of uh, <laughs> or a lack of information on that. So I won't even touch the the fuel inflation. Yeah, I, I have no idea either. Uh, I know I heard on the radio today that uh, I think Ford, Doug Ford, has uh, there was something they were passing to reduce gas prices. I think or it was, well, it's just the tax. So they they tax, last yeah. year they brought in. Uh, a tax cut on the provincial sales tax for for fuel, which they um, had been in the last year, but but Dougie's uh, continuing that um, for the next year. So I guess doing what he can. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think no matter what, the those you know the prices in in fuel are are likely here to stay for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, I think I think we're gonna see a lot of uh, a lot of demand in the in the electric uh, vehicle market. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens on that side of things. I was uh, just talking on the rates there quickly and uh, rate increases. Like I'm, you know, with clients right now choosing rates, uh, I'm pretty much telling them, like, you know, they're asking about fixed variable, which direction they should go and so on, which I think we can touch on as well a bit further in the show. But, um, you know, I'm pretty much telling everyone to expect, as you said, that that kind of half percent increase. Uh, in December. So really when I'm giving, quoting them a rate, I'm basically saying, you know, this is what it is today. But when you close, it's very likely going to be, you know, whatever, basically a half percent higher if they're taking variable. So just to kind of keep that in mind and uh, for people to know, at least have that expectation. So there's no surprises because I think a lot of people maybe lock in a rate in uh, in July, closing in uh, September, October, and and were surprised when their rate was, you know, a full percent higher than what they, or a percent and a half higher than what they had 
what they thought they were going to get when they talked to their uh, their bank or their broker or whomever. Yeah, no, for sure. And then and it kind of plays into uh, Bicharan's question, but but really, you know, on that Bank of Canada and the Fed, you know, that overnight rate, uh, it is expected that it'll increase and then and then likely plateau um, for the foreseeable future after that to let the inflationary numbers kind of catch up and to see if they continue to drive down. Um, you know, I think it's pretty evident that that will be the case from conversations that uh, we have that, you know, on, as, as mortgage professionals to clients uh, and the pinch that they're uh, undertaking um, and just from the slowdown on the market, the, you know, kind of wealth across the board being wiped away, you know, whether that's inequity in your home or in the equities market, like it's playing into all facets. Uh, so, you know, it is obviously accomplishing right now what, what the intent is, but, uh, you know, I think to, to be sure on question of, uh, you know, do you guys think the prime mortgage rate once set by the bank of Canada will go under 3% in the next uh, few years, seeing that we may very well be in a high inflation environment for quite a while due to a labor and supply shortages. Um, everything I've been hearing, uh, is that, and reading, I should say, uh, is that, you know, rates will stay, you know, the bank can't overnight rate will increase. Like I said, stay stagnant through next year and, and start to come down, um, end of, uh, 2023. So Q4 and, and Q1 of 2024, obviously that's all based around inflation coming back down, um, I don't know whether they'll start lowering it prior to hitting that two to three percent target inflation rate, or whether they'll start to decrease it prior to. Again, it it is lag. It is like a, like I said before, it is kind of trailing data. Um, you know, they even if they make a decrease today, it doesn't really have a ripple effect for a few months. So the same when it increases, it doesn't have that full effect for a few months. So um, I think it's possible that they start to decrease it. You know, late next year, early 2024. So I think before that, that few years is up with a target of two and a half percent as the overnight rate, uh, which would put prime in the high threes, uh, which I think is kind of, you know, really everyone says in the threes for fixed and variable is, is really kind of where that sweet spot is for the Canadian market and where you kind of have that balanced market. Um, so we saw that in 2019, uh, and beginning of 2020, going into the pandemic, that 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 prime was at 395, and and fixed rates were in the 329 to to 369, um, and I think that's you know where their target will likely be um, coming out of this. Uh, and you said that you had a uh, you were reading an article as well over the weekend regarding CMHC, right, and construction, like the the money, I guess, on the construction loans. Yeah, so I mean, it's one that we've touched on before. Um, the uh, CMHC program uh, where they've allocated now it's it's up to 25 billion uh, allocated for uh, the national housing strategy for building um, you know affordable housing and I really do use air quotes on that um, the you know they're, they're they're saying that it's you know they've allocated 13 billion in loans to the program uh, to and you know to build 38,000 units so far, mm -hmm. uh, but there's no transparency around it. So they're not saying what cities have been granted, what developers, uh, there's only a couple that have. Um, it's a pretty, it's pretty opaque as far as what their, what information they pass along, which is, is obviously getting a, a lot of, uh, a lot of heat 
because it really makes no sense on why they wouldn't be advising as to what cities are getting um, are, are getting the builder money uh, for these, you know, pseudo uh, or supposed um, uh, affordable housing units. Now, I, I, again, I use the air quotes of affordable housing because it is a, uh, it is a joke as far as, you know, what the federal government is allocating or, or considering as a, uh, as affordable, as an affordable unit. Um, if you give me one second, I'm just going, here we go. So the affordable, uh, they've been frequently criticized over its affordability criteria. Under those rules, units are deemed affordable when they are rented for no more than 30% of median family income in the surrounding area. The calculation includes homeowners who earn more than renters on average, and any unit uh, that rents for that price is considered affordable no matter how big or small it is. Now, to give you an idea, uh, and I mentioned this before, there is, you know, this is obviously the Ottawa podcast. Um, there is a building on, on Preston Street uh, near where I am uh, that is that received $90 million to build the Soho Italia. Um, and it is falling under this CMHC program. I know I mentioned it before, but this article kind of is just... Um, Kind of just strengthening that, that those comments that I I'd made many months ago, but um, it's a Gluxine designed uh, condo, affordable housing. Under this, they're getting a fifty-year amortization. Uh, I believe it's zero or one percent interest rates on that construction money of ninety million, and they are having to use thirty percent of the median family income in the surrounding area. Now, what that includes in this instance along Preston is the Civic Hospital area and the Little Italy area, um, West Centertown. It's one of the highest average household incomes in Ottawa. Um, and, uh, and so the average unit, you know, regardless of size, I believe it's 28 or 2,900 uh, that they deems it as affordable housing um, in this case. Now, this kind of went to the, the further, you know, the next paragraphs talking about the development in downtown Winnipeg, where they're able to charge seventeen fifty six a month for an affordable bachelor unit. This is in hmm. Winnipeg, or two point three times higher than the average market rent for such a unit. So again, this is speaking to the failure of this program and their definition around affordable, yeah. uh, and how ridiculous it is. So you know, all of us on this program, all of you listening. I'm sure agree we need more affordable housing, uh, but to deem it under this qualification is absolutely ludicrous. You know, Winnipeg a bachelor of seventeen fifty six a month, um, over double what the average what the typical is for for that unit is crazy. I don't know why they haven't put more focus into this as far as uh, adjusting it, but uh, but hopefully this this globe article kind of sheds more light on it and, and kind of brings it to the forefront to really, you know, figure out what the heck's going on with it and why uh, there's a lack of transparency and a lack of uh, lack of actual real uh, meaningful dent in the, in the affordable housing uh, crisis, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was uh, globe and mail you said. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, post, we yeah, we'll post the link. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, we'll I know sure there's uh I know somebody uh, continuously looks Stephen, for, do you mind uh, making a note of the, uh, link. <laughs> the the time we talk about the article? We'll make sure to include the link. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's an interesting landscape right now. I found my conversations over the last week have really been focused around uh, exactly that, like more outside of mortgages, like a lot of stuff about 
CMHC, about premiums, about uh, interest rates themselves. Like it's, it's very, clients are very well informed now, which is great. And uh, the conversations I'm having are, are much more in depth than they were in years past. Like it feels like in the years past, it was kind of like, okay, you know, what, um, what, what, what features are included in my mortgage? You know, can I make a prepayment and what's the rate? Those are kind of the main questions. Now I have people asking questions about like, you know, what is the actual premium that CMHC is charging me? What is, uh, you know, what's the total amount of interest I'm paying on XYZ? Like it just, it seems like people are way more uh, knowledgeable and much more educated on, on mortgages themselves, just because it's been the focus for, for a couple of years now. Um, and one of the things that I went into last week, it was, I was talking to a, a kind of newer realtor, newer in the sense that like, you know, was been licensed in the last 12 months uh, and just kind of breaking down the difference between uh, rate kind of pillars, rate categories. So, you know, insurable, insured, or sorry, insured, insurable and uninsured. And, uh, you know, he, he was asking, what rate can we get for this client, right? For, for Jane, Jane Smith. And it was one of those things, well, it's, you know, it depends. And we see this to clients all the time, but, you know, when we're dealing with over 30 different lenders and every lender has a matrix of 30 or 40 different rates, depending on, you know, type of property, uh, down payment, you know, risk profile, location sometimes, like there's a whole multitude of factors that go into a rate conversation. So with even just a single lender, there might be 30 different rates that they're offering. So when you have over 30 different lenders and they all have 30 different rates, you know, you're, you're basically starting, if someone asks you a question of rate, what rate can you offer me? We're essentially starting with over 900 different rate options. Uh, and we have to narrow that scope down based on the actual profile of the client. So at a very high level, uh, I'll just explain this to everyone listening in case they don't know, but there's kind of three pockets of rates. Uh, and those rates have, or those pockets, I guess, have different rates associated with them. So if you are to put, less than a 20% down payment on your primary home, which obviously you can only do for your primary or, or secondary home, I guess. Um, but if you put less than 20% down, then that's what's called insured. So it means it's insured by the CMHCs or, or Sagens of the world uh, and you pay an insurance premium. So because of that, the banks have little to no risk, basically no risk, because if you default on your mortgage, if you stop paying your mortgage, the bank gets all of their money back. So you're basically paying an insurance premium to protect the bank from default. And then, uh, so because of that, because the bank basically is taking on no risk, they'll give you a preferred rate if you put less than 20% down because they feel that it's a lesser risk for them as a lender. If you put uh, more than 20% down, then you kind of fall, fall into two buckets. There's uh, the uninsured bucket, which means that you know the mortgage will not be insured because... Uh, you know, for whatever reason, it could be, the, you know, the amount of debt you have, it could be your, your credit score is a multitude of different reasons. Um, but your mortgage would be uninsured, which means that you're going to basically get a slightly higher rate, because even though they have a 20% buffer built into the equity, the lender still feels like, well, we don't have that insurance premium, we don't have that insurance on our back end for default. So if you stop paying your mortgage, we have to take back the home, we have to sell it, there's costs associated with that. So that's considered an uninsured mortgage, they're not insuring it on the back end. And then the last pocket is what they call insurable. So that means you're putting more than 20% down but the bank itself is still able to insure that mortgage on their back end with CMHC or Sagen or whoever. So it's basically insurable. So based on your debt ratios and so on, they can still insure the mortgage on the back end, but that insurance isn't passed off to the client or anything like that. It's something that they do internally. 
Um, there's the odd time that they do, you know, charge a slight premium to the client, but very, very seldom. And I guess the, the thing to consider there is that um, the banks kind of have three tiers of rate offerings, but they also have three tiers of when you fall into those buckets. So less than 20% is typically going to be insured. Over 20%, usually up to about 35% is going to be either insurable or uninsured. And then anything over a 35% down payment, you're kind of getting preferred rates again, because then the banks feel that they have enough of a buffer there in that 35%. Um, that even if you default, they have lots of space there in the equity to sell the home and, and still be profitable. So typically, if you're putting more than 35% down, you're going to get the preferred rates again, you would have got if you had an insured mortgage. So these are just kind of, again, it's a very high level explanation. And I'm sure I, I might have gone through that too quickly. But um, for the general public, someone who may have never had a mortgage before, just understanding all of these different rate offerings is important because, you know, you might have someone might be talking around the water cooler and someone's like, oh, well, I got, you know, prime minus 0.9 and uh, someone else might have only got, you know, prime minus a half or something. And they can't understand well, why is there such a discrepancy between these two rates. So not all rates are created equal. Not all mortgages are created equal. So really important, especially on our end, when we're talking to clients is to understand like, what is your plan? Where's the down payment coming from? You know, what's the purpose with this property uh, and many other factors. So, you know, when someone asks you what's the best rate you can offer, it really isn't that simple of a question. There are different kind of um, criteria that we have to work through to be able to properly and accurately quote you on, on a rate. Right. Right now it's anywhere from uh, high fours to, uh, to mid teens. Yeah. So, you know, Depends on what you're, <laughs> what you're looking for, what you qualify for, and you know what your objective is. So, yeah, it's never uh, to your point. It's never an easy uh, answer, or you know, as much as people think that it is. And uh, and a lot of it also, you know, a lot of that change came from uh, the minister of finance and and changing what banks need to have on hand on the back end of what they could do with your mortgage <clears throat> on the back end. Uh, whether they can, you know, package it together and sell your mortgage as a what's called a mortgage-backed security, bundle it together and sell it on the market, uh, or whether you know for different buckets like uninsured, so refinances or rental purchases, thirty-year amortizations, the bank has to have more cash on hand to service that. They're using their own book to lend that money as opposed to it being insured anywhere else. So there's a lot of factors that come into play, like Paul said, and and they'll rank things. The better credit you have. On uninsured, the you know the better a uh, a rate they'll give. So, um, you know, to that point, there's you know those. It's a great explanation, uh, Paul, on those three buckets. And then beyond that, there's B lenders, um, you know, mix mortgage investment corporations. I know that there's <clears throat> they've been in the news lately as well. Um, but the, you know, because of where the qualifying is for A banks, <clears throat> I've definitely seen a big, uh, you know, over the last while a, a push more so into that alternative space for qualifying because mm -hmm. there are ways in which you can qualify based on the rate you're going to get. So instead of, you know, with your TDs or Scotiabank, so yeah, that, uh, that, you know, we certainly pushed um, with the, the change of market from qualifying. Typically it's at, you know, with the TD Scotia RBC of your rate plus 2%. Some of these alternative lenders are able to qualify you at, the rate you're going to get, or even, you know, longer amortizations. So 35 and 40 year amortizations, uh, some of these mortgage investment corporated or mix uh, will allow you to make interest only payments as well. Uh, so <clears throat> there are different options out there. Again, back to that rate question. It's, it's a lot of 
what is your objective um mm -hmm. and and you know what are you looking at purchasing what's your time horizon because it might play into that an alternative lender on a 40 year amortization might make more sense than a TD at uh, at a 30 year because you know maybe there's income we can't use to qualify you that's there or or a, you know family members that's there you know contributing to the mortgage which we can't use that income to qualify uh, but you can then you know maybe you're able to afford a you know a higher priced home it's just the qualifying becomes a challenge or uh, your mortgage is up for renewal and you need to consolidate debt. And the only way of doing that is in the alternative space because you can't qualify with an A lender. And, and I'm seeing that as well uh, this past couple of weeks. But certainly, you know, we've said it before, just have that candid conversation with a mortgage professional. If you're having issues on uh, renewal or refinance because maybe it makes sense even in today's higher rate environment to consolidate debt because maybe you have a lot of credit card debt, things like that, where, you know, obviously it's a pinch with affordability and, 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 uh, and groceries and all that, that maybe you've been having to use your credit card more than planned. Um, it still makes sense, still might make sense to use some of that equity, but have that conversation. If you get kickback from, you know, maybe your, your, you know, bank, you went in there and they said, there's nothing they can do speak to a mortgage professional. There's a lot more options on the table and out there. Um, you know, so don't feel like you're, you're stuck just because, one institution said they can't help you. Yeah, it's been interesting too, hearing from alternative, like clients that are dealing with alternative lenders, how pleased they are with the rate they're getting because, you know, we've seen the uh, the the delta, I guess, between like a, a regular A bank and, you know, the alternative lenders get much, much smaller. Now the alternative lenders are obviously starting to increase their rates now. But, you know, fixed rates were almost at high fives and there was still some uh, B lenders offering, you know, 699 at one point and, and low sevens. So you're talking a 1% difference for what would normally be, you know, a three or four point spread. So it was interesting to hear some clients were very uh, pleasantly surprised uh, on the, in that alternative space when they were getting uh, the rates that they did because they knew that even on their primary home, the rates they were getting would have been uh, much higher. So... It was, uh, it's been an interesting year for sure when it comes to rates and I've never, you know, I've tried as hard as I can in my career to, to steer away the conversation from rates because, you know, it's always been one of those things where, and I still don't think it's the most important, but uh, it's not the most important thing, but now it's just so prevalent and such a topic of conversation everywhere. And, you know, the Bank of Canada announcements have been front page on every newspaper. Like it's something that is every month, every month and a half, or, you know, every time there's an announcement coming out that it's a topic of conversation for everyone. So it's certainly been hyper-focused for us too. People have been asking every conversation, you know, where rates, what rate am I getting? What's happening with my rate? Uh, I just had a client who just moved out East not too long ago. And uh, exactly what you said, Dave, you know, uh, his, uh, one of the partners basically got into an accident, uh, hasn't been able to work. So they've been, uh, you know, using uh, unsecured debt for, for a little while. So now they're having to downsize coming back to Ottawa, uh, we're hoping to port the mortgage, but actually no longer qualify because of that loss of income. So now we're having to look at some alternatives uh, to get them to get them into the new home back here in Ottawa. And everyone's situation is different. These things happen. I mean, life happens. And, and I mean, that's one of the benefits of being a broker on our side is that we do have different types of lenders. So it really is a one-stop shop. If one lender won't do it, we have other alternatives that we can turn to to, to find solutions. So it's uh, that, that I would say that's one of the most more fulfilling sides of the job is when 
clients think they have no solution, there's no hope. And then, you know, we're able to provide them something that they didn't even know existed. It's always, uh, always get positive feedback from those, those conversations. Yeah. Well, that's great. Should we, uh, I think, uh, I think we probably talked enough about rates. Um, yeah, maybe we sure. should, uh, slide in, slide into the, some mood boosts. Yeah, mood boost. And Greg threw out some stats for me this morning before uh, before he went offline. So he said some okay. stats for the suburbs. Uh, average days on market for sale in the last seven days is 50. So I think that's up from 45. And the average price of townhomes in Ottawa is down about 100,000 since March, he said, which is pretty, uh, pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Townhomes is probably, it's a, probably because it's the one thing they're actually building right now. Oh, the new builds, a lot of them are townhomes right like row homes um yeah so i don't know that that was in condo townhomes that was just townhomes in general so i think that might be uh i mean there's a, an abundance of townhomes that have been built this year well we'll have them clarify uh next week we'll, we'll get them to come with the uh we'll get proper, them to show up proper stats matrix yeah. i think my i think my bleeding has finally stopped as well so have mercy nice. I, I i appreciate everyone's patience as i dab my lip the whole show hideous um okay so i got i'll go with three today uh number one why did the lion eat the tight rope walker he wanted a well-balanced meal wow wanted a wow. well-balanced meal um number two what's another name for a sleeping bag a knapsack. It's not bad. I'm never surprised yeah. I've never heard that one before. Um, number three, thinking about removing my spine. I feel like it's only holding me back. Wow. Wow. <laughs> the next one's worse, so I'm just going to leave it there. And wow. uh, I'll, I'll come with some fire next week. My brother's been slacking a bit on the mood, but I don't think I've gotten mood boost from him since end of october so i'm using tim, the uh tim get get with it using the calendar some, yeah uh... i'll shake him today <laughs> give him a good shake uh thanks to everyone as well for listening <laughs> for listening still uh appreciate everyone who tuned in last week and uh, and contributed to the live show and we'll definitely be um we'll be doing that again in the coming months probably sometime in december maybe before the holidays now we'll do a little holiday fiesta before we take a couple weeks off, if we take a couple weeks off. And uh, thanks as always to uh, Steve Hopkins, our amazing producer. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll, we'll be back next week. Here's us. See you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please Different remember energy to like, here, right? share, comment, and subscribe <laughs> because we'd really like that. <laughs> <laughs>